We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz Podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. I am your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my co-host, Jack Manuel, and two guests today, Jesse Corbin of the Celtics Express, part of the OTG Network, and Matt Chin of Celtics Blog. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going, going on, guys? Happy to be here. So many voices. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> Happy to be on here with Jack, man. God kills we're having a pod today with enemy forces obviously the celtics have owned the nets in the past with trades draft picks and everything but three and zero against the nets this season but all three games have been pretty close especially the last two 87 85 win for the celtics last night what were your thoughts on that game i mean obviously it was a defensive struggle from both sides of the ball i thought both teams played excellent defense uh the celtics without al horford really their linchpin for their motion offense i thought uh the nets did a good job doing a lot of switching on their picks with Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, Allen Crabb, just really bothering the Celtics um, with their defensive length. Um, Boston only had 12 assists all night, which is really, really uncommon for them, uh, being forced into a lot of isolation shots. So I thought the Nets did a great job there um, defensively. That's something that really stood out to me. Uh, Brooklyn has the fifth-best defensive rating over the past six games. And, I, I mean, obviously I watch more Celtics than Nets, but – Brooklyn is just a pesky, pesky team. Like you can't, you can't overlook them like you do have uh, with, you know, previous years where they haven't been as competitive. Uh, I was really impressed with their effort level. Um, you know, the semi run that they went in the beginning of the fourth quarter um, on the back of Jaleel Okafor and Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I thought they did a good job staying, um, staying in the game uh, in, in, late in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there, Matt. It was it was a real slog, and, and the Nets have been getting into a few of those slog fests uh, a little bit lately. It's not our sort of style of basketball necessarily. Um, we like to sort of do the the pretty the pretty Houston sort of style, but when it gets down to the gritty style, it sort of it, it works to our advantage in ways because we don't necessarily have the talent of a Boston, even without an Al Horford. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie was great on the night. Um, him and Curry had a really nice battle. But um, we've been grinding out these games, and as Coach Kenny said after the game, it just the ball didn't bounce our way. Um, you know, it, it's, by the end of the game, it could have gone either way. If we had an extra two or three minutes, um, the, it could have been a Nets win. But unfortunately for for me and Nick, um, we get we get the L. But um, maybe next time um, that things might turn around because uh, there's this nice little rivalry building. Um, and uh, it, it's very interesting. So I think that's good stuff for these guys. I think it's interesting. I talked about on Celtics Express this week. We hit on um, just kind of how Celtics fans have eyed the Brooklyn franchise and wanting them to lose for, you know, basically half a decade here, rooting for draft picks, et cetera. And uh, so now that the, the script is kind of flipped and, and that pick is now the Cavaliers, and I think there is like this kind of deep-seated – unknowing sympathy for the Nets. So Celtics fans are, are happy to see the Nets on their way back up. And yeah, I think gritty was a good term. I think both teams, uh, you know, under 40% on the night. The, the the Nets do do some things that'll make a bad team better. They shoot free throws well as a team, uh, rebounding from the guard position. Joe Harris, I think, is a guy that's like really fun to watch. My boy. Double-double. Yeah, he's good, man. I mean, we know he's a good shooter, but he's a physical guy. He's tough. He's got a knack for, for the boards. Yep. Uh, high IQ player. And I think, you know, by all accounts, he's a guy that brings it every day in practice. And, you know, it's just a great guy to have in the locker room, et cetera. And yeah, he's really fun to watch. So he's one of my, like, new favorites that's that's growing on me here. Um, I was disappointed I didn't see either Mozgov or um, <laughs> in the lineup um, for this game. But... Um, as I told Chin last week on Celtics Express, big Keith Van Horn fan over here. So, um, but anyway, the, so the, the Celtics, you know, doing what they do, a lot of that one-on-one um, -on -one basketball and can force out of you, which is painful to watch uh, from a Celtics point of view. You really like to see them when they're moving the ball much better. But you know, they say defense travels, and that you know doesn't only mean through geography; it means also. Uh, you know, in the mind, because, you know, no matter what the time of the game is, that's a game that a lot of times an NBA team will blow, right? Especially with this road trip, they fly out on Monday to London, they've got this whole thing ahead of them, they've been playing well. That's easily a game on the road uh, that you could drop, but their defense comes up big, and you you play very subpar on offense, you're able to grind it out at the end. That's really the story of this team. Yeah, for sure. It definitely was a defensive struggle. Do you think more so of it was defense or just, you know, the team shooting terrible? You know, both teams shot under 40%, both teams shot under 30% from three, or is it more of a combination from both? Well, for me, they're... both teams played excellent defensively. Uh, both teams are right up there in defensive rating over the past two weeks or so. Uh, Boston offensively, I mean, they looked like they were playing their third game in four nights. And obviously having to play against Cleveland and Minnesota, um, this past week uh, is not an easy task, and I think that really hurt them um, offensively, uh, just kind of getting into their flow, uh, not having Al Horford to be that high post facilitator uh, who can kind of 
facilitate the movement and act as kind of a conduit for Brad Stevens' message and his game plan on the floor. Um, and then, you know, the Celtics defense is something that they've you know been able uh, to harken back to this entire season. I mean, if you look at the top six teams other than the Celtics in terms of rake, uh, in terms of record so far this year, they've held all those teams to under 100 points. Um, so it's no surprise that uh, the Celtics, when their offensive uh, efficiency goes down, they can kind of lean on their defense. And that's something that we did not see from this team last season. Uh, so I found that to be you know, a pretty interesting development. But like I said, this Brooklyn team, they're so switchable along the wing. Uh, I think their roster has a lot of athleticism up and down. Spencer Dinwiddie has incredible length. Um, from the point guard position. Even D'Angelo Russell, when he comes back, has incredible length as well uh, at the point guard position. So I think the Nets uh, are really, really kind of building something special in terms of having kind of a modern actor that can push uh, in the modern style of the NBA. Yeah, I think Nick mentioned uh, on his Twitter during during the game, he was tweeting, uh, live tweeting, the fact that we – played some super small lineups, which I know Nick is a huge fan of, and we've talked about in previous episodes, uh, Ronde at the five. Um, and due to the fact that Horford wasn't in there, we didn't really have a bruiser that sort of like can destroy us, which generally tends to happen. Uh, Marcus Morris tends to beat us down a little bit, but even last night, he wasn't that great. So for me, the damage was done by the rookie, and to a lesser extent, Kyrie Irving. Um, but yeah, the defense, I think, is one thing that the Nets are starting to really pride themselves on. And the Celtics have all season. They've always been one of the top teams. But recently, as you mentioned, Matt, at the top of the episode, the past six games, that's a huge thing for the Nets. And that's probably been one of our big... And if we can continue that, as Coach Kenny said, we're going to get the wins. We're in a tough stretch, uh, versus some of the top teams in the East and West. Um, so we're going to need to get bank some wins. Um, it would have been nice to do it against Boston. But if the defense stays strong, I think that the wins will come. Hey, you got some balls, Jack, saying the Nets need to bank wins against a team like the Celtics. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, we could have done it. We could have done it twice before, but we we should have done it last night. But um, you know, to bank a win against a top team, you know, it's one that I, I think that got away. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I think talent just shone through. It was almost like a, a the first game of a playoff series. Now the Nets are probably far away from a couple of years away from competing in the playoffs, but it's just those one of those games where just Kyrie Irving does his thing. Jason Tatum, who is, despite his age, um, one of the most mature uh, wings in today's NBA. And he, he just did his thing and he just got buckets. Whereas the Nets just don't have as many guys. Spencer did when he can to an extent. Um, Nick's boy, Karis LeVert can, but we were missing him. And D'Angelo Russell. We add in one of those guys. I think we probably get the win. But um, the Celtics had their injuries. The Nets had their injuries. And the Celtics just dealt with the better. Look, yeah, the, the Celtics and Nets have, have played three games so far this season. They've all been close. A seven-point win for the Celtics, a three-point yeah. win for the Celtics, and then a two-point win last night. So this Nets team, I mean, even though on paper they're not as talented as the Celtics, uh, they're just so gritty. I, I've always been impressed, even going back to last year to a small extent, um, with how resilient they are um, for being such a young and kind of inexperienced team. I mean, they play the Celtics close every single time they play against them. Yeah, this one did have the feeling down the stretch. You kind of thought that the Nets were going to pull this one out for a bit. Um, and, you know, to Jack's point, the, the talent shown through and, and Tatum has been very clutch. I think um, basically to answer the original question in short, I'm one, I always give a little bit more credit to defenses. I mean, these guys are all NBA players. They shoot 
uh, basketballs for a living. You know, there's hours of warm up involved to get into a game. I mean, rarely do several players who are good shooters just miss uh, on the same night just by accident. So, you know, I give defenses a lot of credit when it comes to this. But, you know, you do look at a guy like Aaron Baines. Does he usually make a bunch of those bunnies that he missed? Probably, you know. Um, but a good win for the Celtics heading into uh, this long stretch overseas here. Yeah, I think the defensive energy yesterday was definitely high. I think Jason Tatum said someone asked him if he was mad. He said, no, we were determined little chippiness extra edge especially in that second half what opposing player impressed you the most you know for jack a boston guy jesse and matt a a nets guy so uh, amongst the starters spencer dinwiddie i haven't been able to see a ton of him this year just you know really being focused on my celtics coverage but his length and his shiftiness is something that's really special i think like when you point guard prospects now i mean size and ability to see over the opposing defense um, is something that's really, really important. And, like, yeah. he's not facilitator necessarily that you need him to be, but, like, he can develop, and you can see his ceiling growing and growing. And if he continues um, to kind of refine, he could be really special, especially when he comes off the bench. I think there aren't a lot of bench point guards who are going to be able to hang with him. Um, and then off the bench, I mean – I know Jaleel Okafor slowly slimmed down Jaleel Okafor. I mean, he, like, I haven't seen him in a couple weeks, but he's, he lost a ton of weight, man. He looked like, good. I, yeah, he looked I don't know. I don't good. know what, like, I don't know what they did in two weeks, but, like, the guy is skinny <laughs> now. Um, but, I mean, he was still bruising inside, and he made uh, Brad Stevens make that adjustment when Aaron Baines had five fouls. He had to put him back in the lineup because Daniel Tice couldn't hang with Jaleel Okafor around the rim. And that early fourth quarter run was really catalyzed by uh, Okafor's play. So really early, we're going to see how he fits into, you know, what the Nets are trying to do developmental-wise. And he might take some minutes. For, I mean, I, I think from an outside perspective, he should be taking minutes from Zeller and Mozgov. I mean, obviously, you want to continue to develop Jared Allen. Um, but I think Okafor, if he can learn to make quick decisions in the low post and kick out of the low post, I mean, he could be a, a nice focal point for them moving forward. Yeah, and, and for the Celtics' perspective, Nick, um, Jason Tatum is, is an obvious one. I think uh, one of the best defensive games from from any rookie this year. Uh, six blocks from, from a forward is just unheard of. Um, yeah, the best plus minus of any Celtics player at plus 10. Yeah, he, he's a great rebounder. He's a great bucket getter. That, that dunk, he posterizes his own teammate. Um, you know, <laughs> like he, he gets, he's a highlight reel. He's a, a very complete player. He's probably the most complete player out of this rookie class. Now, Ben Simmons has a huge, immense upside, and as does Donovan Mitchell. But the poise of, of Jason Tatum is just something to behold. And then off the bench, um, just a, a quick shout-out to Daniel Tice. I really like the energy that he brings, um, a, a really nice sort of bench presence, and just one of those guys that Brad Stevens just gets the most out of. And he he might have been bullied a little bit by a Jalil Okafor, but um, from most of the games that I've watched with the Celtics this season, uh, he's been a very consistent presence coming off that bench. Yeah, good call, Jack. I like that. So we head back to the Nets. Uh, Dinwiddie was awesome, um, and I think – I think Matt hit on him a bunch. I think once he develops a more consistent outside shot, like he's going to be pretty dangerous. Really good first step, really good uh, off the ball. Um, like Matt said, a lot of length at that position. I think he's like 6'6". I remember watching him in college, uh, uh, Colorado, I think. Um, and he was and he was really, really fun to watch. And 
I'm glad to see him starting to excel here. Off the bench, a couple guys to the Okafor stuff. Yeah, he, he did look really good, and I think that he is finally – it looks like he's going to be able to make the transition to – I mean, that's by far the most I've ever seen him jump off the screen from an athleticism <laughs> standpoint. Like, he um, – I, I think he's making the transition to a guy who can catch the ball, you know, off movement – from yeah. from the elbow and and take a euro step or a teardrop and finish as opposed to just backing guys down, and so <clears throat> I think that development will be fun to watch. He's clearly taking his body seriously, so we, we look towards that. But but Joe Harris to me is like he's awesome. The Cavs got rid of him, and when they did, I, I thought it might be a mistake. He's he's big body, six six, um, well over two hundred. He's strong. He's he's a knockdown shooter. I think he had. Um, I don't know, 12 or 13 boards or something last night, double-double. Uh, he's really fun to watch. I think he's a really consistent player, and he's a smart player, and, and I like his physicality. Picked by all you guys. Dinwiddie, I love him, and I think his versatility and ability to fit with multiple guards is something that will really benefit the Nets. And like you said, Okafor is definitely – that was obviously his best stretch with the Nets. Tatum was amazing. You know, I've obviously watched him a lot, but I think his ability to make moves in one-on-one situations against Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who's a solid defender. Uh, Thais has definitely been a guy who's impressed me all season long, especially like an international guy. It takes him some time to adjust, but I was surprised to see uh, Semi Ojale catch some minutes. He catch, caught some minutes late in the game too, right? Yeah, yeah. His defense oh, Brad is, is for real, and he's strong. He's strong, you know. So you, that, yeah. Typical Brad Stevens. Not. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I, I'm sorry, man. I was just. I know we got. We have our order and stuff, and sometimes I get excited. But um, just, <laughs> just, just a couple quick points. Yeah, you can see how well the Celtics coaching staff teaches um, kind of the rule of verticality and going straight up. You don't see them come down with the arms a lot, and and Shemi's a perfect example of that. Um, I, we saw late in the game. Uh, I think it was Dinwiddie who came in. I don't recall exactly, but. A clear, um, you know, shot at a at a layup, and Shemi just went straight up in the air, and it looks like a foul, but but it's not in today's NBA, and I think that's something that huge that him and Dice bring to the game, and, and that's been really cool. The other thing, just as we wrap up Tatum, when I talk about ball movement with the Celtics, Tatum is the perfect example because when you see him come off a, a down screen, pop up near the three point line, and catch that ball off movement, when he's got a guy on his hip that first step and he's dunking over somebody if there's nobody there otherwise he's making the pass if he gets the ball and there's a guy squared up to him one-on-one at this point in his career going by most guys he's going to take a couple dribbles and pass it off to the perimeter or try and back down so those are the little things when i say that we see one-on-one um you know offense from the celtics late i think that takes away some of tatum's ability uh to get to the rim so anyway wrapping up the tatum stuff and, and etc I thought the coach, there was a, definitely a lot of coaching strategy in the game yesterday. Matt kind of hinted at it before, but I thought Brad Stevens, you know, obviously Kenny Atkinson going at it a little bit, a lot of small ball rotations. But one more question before we get out of here. Could you see this being an entertaining playoff series in, you know, three to four years? You know, obviously the Celtics will most likely be around the top of the East still, and the Nets will probably be starting to get into the playoff picture. So what would be your thoughts on a seven-game series in three years between the Nets and Celtics? I think you're underestimating them. I mean, I think the Nets have an outside shot at – the eight seed either this year or next year and if and if D'Angelo Russell was not hurt for most of this season I think they'd be right there I mean you look at the way that this roster is built um you look at their cap flexibility I mean obviously it's kind of doing free agency but like if they have 
Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the bench and Alan Crabb coming off the bench and they go with Jeremy Lin uh, at the shooting guard spot. Like this team has all of the makings to, uh, you know, be a solid, you know, a solid playoff team that can give some trouble. I, I mean, not to harken back to like the Celtics, but like the, before they had Horford, like reminds me of that, like around like the 2013, 2014 time when they were just like scrappy, relentless effort with a young coach and everyone's buying into the system. And, you know, you have players like Jokafor, who's kind of trying to career. I see the same exact thing. Like when Evan Turner, came to the Celtics, he did the same exact thing with Brad Stevens. And the Nets are doing great stuff even with their front office where, you know, they're taking on debt from other teams and getting draft picks. That's exactly what you need to do when you're rebuilding in their position. So I think, like, in the weekend East, they could be right there as a seven or eight seed. Um, I don't think they could give necessarily the Celtics great run for their money right now because they just don't have that closer and that one-on-one score that can I mean maybe D'Angelo Russell can get there but as of now they don't really have that that guy who can just take over games that you need in a playoff series but I I see a ton of promise with this team I think you know after Philly they're the the next most promising young team uh in the Atlantic division Wow, that's probably the nicest thing anybody said about the Nets in like the last five years, Matt. So I just moved <laughs> up in my book. Matt's Matt's well, very I, diplomatic. I, I four years ago, I mean, I would have been, I would have been a lot, I would have been a lot less optimistic with them, like when they were stuck to Brook Lopez. But like, you can see the change happening, and like they're making the right decisions front office wise. Like they're managing their team really well, and yeah, I mean, they have to make some moves in free agency if they really want to make a big jump, but. Their core is right there intact, and they're all within the same age range, same projection. So I'm really impressed with what they're doing. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point uh, about the fact that, you know, there isn't really that one star. Um, Nick and I have harked on the fact that we have, we see huge upside in a Karis LeVert. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I'd be really excited to see a D'Angelo versus Kyrie series. I think that would be insanely fun, and there'd be so many highlights and. Um, them going one-on-one, I'd love to see them take on each other. Um, and I think, you know, by that time, if D'Angelo can increase his defensive capabilities, because Kyrie certainly has, or he certainly at least fits better in this uh, in this Celtic system than the Cavs system. Um, but I did, I, I did remember seeing whether it was on Nets Daily or somewhere on Twitter, the fact that, you know, in the coming years, the Nets are sort of building to sort of have that cap flexibility where they can make a play for a star because there's been all this talk about the culture and the, the, the system and, and how it's just such a, a player-friendly environment. And I think when word gets around about that, players aren't going to want to come to Brooklyn. Um, and by that stage, you know, we, we should be peaking in terms of our, our age range and, you know, we'll have our own picks. So we may even, in next year's draft, that might be our next start to go alongside of D'Angelo Russell if we are, you know, in the sort of lower depths of the play, um, of the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, plenty of things can happen, but I certainly think it'd be really exciting. Like Matt said, I think we're probably, uh, it'd be like a fun series, sort of like how Portland uh, took on the Golden State Warriors. Still got swept, but um, they were entertaining games nonetheless. Um, I reckon the Nets could maybe seal a game, but um, that'd probably be our best best effort. Uh, yes, uh, I think that would be an entertaining series for probably four games, Jack, like you said. But uh, yeah, I think the Nets, like you guys said, head in the right direction. And to Matt's point, 
Uh, I think they are a little bit ahead of schedule um, with the mindset they have there. They are making some of the right decisions and they seem to have players that are, that are buying in and playing uh, physically and you can win some games in the NBA. Um, and so the first thing when we talk about players going to Brooklyn, if we keep getting winter like this, no one's coming to the East Coast ever. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the Eastern Conference will be officially abolished. So, um, you know, I think we look down the line, maybe, maybe, the, um, maybe the Brooklyn Nets are looking north towards Canada and towards the 2019 <laughs> draft, maybe a guy like Simo Suilo Shitu out of Burlington, Ontario, Canada. He's going to Vanderbilt <laughs> next year. You got, you got your guy R.J. Barrett going to Duke. He's the top guy coming out of high school. He's out of Ontario, Canada. Or maybe in a few years out of Oregon, we'll see Bol Bol, who's headed to Oregon <laughs> uh, next year. He's out of Nevada. So uh, I see in a few years, we'll see what happens once the Nets can finally get, a, get welcome back to the draft. Yeah, we'll definitely see. Yeah, thanks for stealing all of our picks. Appreciate that, Boston. But um, <laughs> I will say, I will Jesus. say from a Boston from a Boston perspective, it is much more fun to root against the Lakers than it is to root against the Nets. Yeah, like, I'm having I'm having way more fun rooting against Los Angeles every single night than I did rooting against Brooklyn. Yes, we've yeah, added the we've added the Lakers watch to Celtics Express. So every episode, we now take a look at what's going on with the Lakers because I mean this pick. Now has become real, and if Danny Ainge pulls off a Tatum trade down followed by a number two or three or four or five the next year, forget about it. Uh, The Celtics are in great shape to make a huge move this year if they wanted to do that or if they just want to go forward and keep what they have. They have so many options, but that gives me a reminder. Quick shout-out to Jesse. He does the Celtics Express pod on the OTG Network. Matt is one of his regular guests, so definitely check that out after every Celtics game. But thank you, guys. Thank you for hopping on Celtics Express. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Matt and Jack, as always. And thanks, everybody, for listening. You can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and OTGBasketball.com. Yeah, look out for Jack and Matt on this week's Celtics Express as we talk about London. Uh, Find that uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet, excluding Internet Essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.